Hey everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Good Nature. Uh, This is a show about good people dealing with unique challenges and adversity while still doing plenty of good things along the way. As for me, my name's Tony, and my unique challenge is that I deal with a chronic muscle disease called LGMD2I, which I battle and deal with to some degree just about every day. I'm also a digital media professional and creative strategist despite that, but right now I'm unemployed, and we're still in a pandemic, so I think it's time to start a podcast. Today I'll talk with Wesley Hamilton, a guy I had the pleasure to get to know while writing a project for Adidas about people overcoming extreme challenges to do what they love to do. A lot of people might already know Wes from 2019 season of Netflix's Queer Eye, where he shared a story about being shot, paralyzed, and how it changed his life in a lot of ways for the better. Since then, Wes has done a ton of public speaking, TV appearances, and launched a foundation called Disabled But Not Really. To add to all that, he's also been active as an earpiece to the Biden-Harris campaign on behalf of his community. In short, Wes rules, and it's awesome to have him. So to kind of kick this off, prior to speaking to you just now, I did like a little record doing my best attempt to introduce you. I think you do such a good job of talking about where you come from, who Wesley Hamilton was, to who you are now. So I'm just going to let you do it because you do obviously such a great job of that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Man, well, appreciate you having me on and uh, allowing me to, you know, share my point of view uh, just uh, on life and, you know, the current events that we're going through and so on. So, uh, yeah, Wesley Hamilton, I am a um, philanthropist. I am an adaptive athlete, public speaker um, and advocate for the disabled community. Oh, let me say I'm a model too. I like to throw that in there. Uh, <laughs> um, you should, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but to sum all of my titles up, you know, I'm just Wesley Hamilton. I see myself as just being that representation that, you know, I, I seek for so long. But from that, I grew up on, uh, I grew up on the east side of Kansas City, Missouri, um, as you know, maybe your listeners might know, they might not. I am, uh, when you say like, I represent the disabled community. So I am paralyzed from the waist down. I have a spinal cord injury, but uh, for 24 years of my life, I live life as an able-bodied person. Um, And so the way I can refer to that until we possibly go in depth of, I just always tell people I was a product of my environment. Uh, my mindset was disabled at that time. And so a lot of things that I did was more of things that didn't really, that weren't ambitious um, or um, engaged with confidence. You know, and then at the age of 24, I get shot multiple times in my abdomen, caused me to have a spinal cord injury. My life changed forever. Um, And it actually became better, you know? And uh, yeah, so... I never knew who I was until I was in a wheelchair. So for me to say my name is Wesley Hamilton is something I am proud of because of the struggles that aligned me to figure out who I was in life. For sure. So you go from obviously that like kind of pinnacle moment. Um, since then, you've been, and I've talked a little bit about this when entering you, you've been essentially a Netflix star. You've been on daytime TV. You started a foundation called Disabled But Not Really, which is kind of like what originally led me to you. Um, You know, I saw the value in it. I saw a need for it. But I think there might be some value to talking about. Did you, you know, after being a gunshot victim, after being in the hospital, 
was it like a one, you know, that kind of movie moment that people talk about having where it's just like from this day forward, I'm going to do everything differently. Was it that and you just kind of did it or was it a series of small decisions that kind of led to big change? Uh, you know, man, when you uh, when you are literally well, OK, so let's start like this um, by me growing up, you know, in the community that I did. Uh, that didn't have, that lacked resources and opportunity, leadership. I mean, it was just a lot that was missing. Um, I always put it as, you know, I get paralyzed and there's no, there's no one I could look up to to really help me get out of it. So for me, it was, it was a series of events of constantly facing defeat Um and I say defeat because it put me at the lowest point of my life. And I think just really being at my lowest and knowing that I didn't have the strength to like end my life, <laughs> um, I had to suck it up and find a way to take control of my life. And that was really it. I was just tired of constant defeat. Rather, it was medical issues, being overweight at that time, um, even being a single father. You know, right. I still am. But of course you know, newly injured and things like that. Um, I mean, it was defeating because I couldn't be the man that I had envisioned um, at that time. And so all of those elements played a major part in like me finding that strength. But I think just the fact that, you know, me being a single father and just having this little girl that admitted to being a better father than, you know, I ever had kind of gave me the will and strength to do the things that I had never done before and become the person that I had never imagined I could be. I guess kind of playing off that, uh, you've kind of, you know, you've put a lot of pressure on yourself, I assume, to, you know, be that leader for this community. And I know what comes with that, obviously, is you've had a lot of great opportunities, you know, prior to COVID, especially you were traveling pretty nonstop like I said, you're doing daytime TV appearances, public speaking. However, I think you do a great job of sharing the unique struggle of disabled people along the way where it's just like, yeah, you know, tra traveling nonstop kind of sucks for just about everyone. Here's how bad it sucks for a disabled person. Y you know, you don't really shy away from putting a spotlight on something like that. So I guess my question that comes out of that is like, what advice would you give to people who want to push their limits in the way that you have, but they know they're going to hit these roadblocks and, you know, being outside the comfort zone can be a, a literally like a dangerous thing at times. My advice to anybody that is trying to, well, I guess the first thing people would have to do would be to look in a mirror. And when we have the ability to face ourselves then we can now create the change that we're looking for within ourselves and the change that we seek in the world. Um, and a lot of it comes from that, you know, for anyone that is trying to be um, ambitious and, uh, you know, raise awareness, create change, or just even change themselves has to be willing to face themselves. For me, any community that I represent, uh, I truly believe that I couldn't, I couldn't represent it the way I do if I didn't know myself. Like if I didn't know my defeats, if I didn't, if I didn't accept 
you know, um, accountability for being the cause of some of those defeats, then I wouldn't be able to raise awareness and create change like I do. Um, Just because, well, if I dwell so much on my life, how can I really speak of changes, you know, when it comes to accessibility, when it comes to uh, black issues, like, really, I would, I would sound like a nagger or I would sound like someone that is really complaining instead of finding a way to over, like I've overcame these levels of adversity. And because of that, I have awareness and a will to like push myself and constantly challenge myself. But that's because I know myself and I know the journey that got me here. So it's more or less as I would encourage people to really become more self-reflective in their time of trying to create change, whether it's within themselves or within the world, because that will give you the ability to see how far you come and allow you to keep going further. So the last time I got the chance to kind of chop it up with you a little bit, I was a couple months ago and for sure at the height, I mean, hopefully the height, obviously nothing's changed for the better yet. But you were in a situation to where you can very uniquely speak to the kind of double-headed monster, the challenge of being a black disabled man in America. And I know you, we had a chance to speak on how that led to you starting kind of another corner of your foundation, I guess, which is the garage out of Kansas City. So if you can talk us through what kind of the catalyst for that was, where it was just like, you know, you've gone above and beyond for the disabled community and being a public face, like we've, we've talked about for it. But when it comes to the black disabled community, this kind of seemed like it was a thing that pushed you over to like, okay, I've like, like I said, kind of a double headed monster of responsibility here. Uh, yeah, no, very much so. Um, in the wake of current events, uh, you know, I don't think that as a black man, I've ever seen a time like this where other sides, other races are being open to understanding like our our culture and our struggle. Right. Like there um there's not been a time that has been more put on the forefront and um, more open. Um, than it is right now. And my point is, is because like I created the garage, my, my, the garage was something that I wanted to create for myself when I was lacking, um, working out due to, uh, traveling and doing so much. And then when COVID hit, I was already in the process of having the garage and I had created the garage in a way that it spoke culture. And I realized that, um, over time, I had something that you rarely see in a black community um, that something that's empowering, not only into fitness, but it speaks you. It's not shifting you away from being who you are. It's, you know, and when I speak of that, I mean like artwork and paintings and murals and, you know, everything that speaks culture. And I think that for uh, black people, what we've always faced is, getting outside of our culture to be accepted. So you find yourself uncomfortable because, and continuously uncomfortable because the acceptance is never there, right? Like, and so meaning I've worked out my fitness, uh, my fitness journey started three, four years ago. 
And since I created the garage, I've I've become a lot stronger mentally and physically here than I have ever done at any other facility that I've been at. Um, and because of that, it showed me the the power of being somewhere that speaks to your culture and can empower you to be more. And so when I looked at that and knowing that the experiences and knowing how, you know, the world is is shifting into like, don't want to say it's two-sided, but right now it is a lot of opinions. Um, I wanted to have a space that made people feel as comfortable in a world that is op- is becoming more and more uncertain. Like I said, I wanted to be the representation that I always seek. I didn't have that leadership. I didn't have someone right. tell me that I could be more. So the garage isn't just somewhere where someone works out. I mean, you got me there with you one-on-one. So what I found is it's a way that now I can empower people to be more than their circumstances, using fitness as a way to just uphold a conversation that helps other people take control of their lives, right? Like, and that's kind of what the whole um you know, the whole garage kind of speaks on is how can I, in a world that people don't, some don't understand the complete struggle, how can I come from a place of empathy? Because I know I've overcome that struggle. I use fitness and nutrition as elements to do that. And even though I did it as a black disabled man, I overcame the mental struggles that I dealt with as a black able-bodied man just through fitness. And so having this garage and being able to like, you know, my big vision for my organization as a whole was to create a facility. And so like, this is just a smaller vision of what that larger vision is going to be and seeing the impact that it's creating now and seeing the people in the faces that are coming through the garage, knowing that now they have a place that brings comfort and empowerment, man, this is where I, this is, yeah, this is this is how we we build communities. This is how we, you know, we build my community and take my community from that mental defeat, that mental disability um, due to circumstances to overcoming them and facing it in a different perspective. A lot of things excited me, you know, when <laughs> we first talked about this, but it almost gives me the feel of like what Nipsey Hussle was building for South LA, for his community. And ideally, I mean, you want to see this, something like the garage in every major city across the country, I'm sure. But what's really exciting for the entrepreneurial angle he was taking with some of his facilities, you kind of have that too, because you get probably a lot of young people in the door to work on the physical and you kind of get to work on that mental approach too, where it's just like, look, you know, someone has, you see the tenacity in them dealing with a disability, they're probably not going to come out being Odell Beckham Jr. in like five years. But, you know, realistically, neither are their able-bodied friends. But there's a little bit of like, okay, you get to know them. You see like, you really like sneakers. Like, sure, you can't be a professional athlete. You can't be Jordan. But check out this guy, you know, like Tinker Hatfield, who's designed all those shoes that you love so much. You can do this. Most people can find when you have that one-on-one time to work with them, you can help them find their thing like that. Yeah, man. You know, so um, the way I look at it is, you know, for the black community, every black community lacks leadership. One, we don't have many leaders. Most of our leaders die too early. 
um, as like you just mentioned, Nipsey Hussle, right? Like we, and I'm speaking from a perspective of inner city poverty, high crime type of blackness. Right. That's that's the way I want to refer to this because there's levels to everything. And so when I talk about the reason, think about the reason why Nipsey Hussle gravitated to so many people that were part of gang life, street life, you know, because he came from that lifestyle and transitioned his way to something that was legitimate and found success in it without changing who he was and allowed the world to accept him for that. Now, when you come to these communities, those people are just like Nipsey without the mindset, right? Like they are literally trying to be their authentic selves, but the world does not accept that. And their mindset allows them to be defeated by the opinions that the world sees of them. And so for me, when I when I bring people into the garage, I get to show them their inner strength that allows them to now have self-awareness, which takes away their their um takes away that that defeat of how other people see them and allows them to grow into who they want to be meaning i can talk to them about reading books i can talk to them about the elements that help me become who i am today knowing that if i was never shot i would never be here that means that for the last six or seven years all those steps i took to be who I am today are steps that I break down through the concepts of the garage. Very much so. It's not just it's not just about fitness, but if I can get you through my door, then it now this is my responsibility and my, you know, my passion, my purpose to now persuade you to understand that you've always been powerful. You've always had the strength and the will you just might not have had the guidance and now you have it. So talking about <clears throat> persuading, um, obviously the most timely thing we can kind of discuss, probably the most important thing we can discuss aside from that is you just participated in the Biden-Harris campaign's roundtable about gun violence and disability in America. So how did that come together and what are some of the major takeaways people should know coming out of it because quite honestly, and I know there's a lot of people like me, I've been so hyper-focused on getting away from how things are now and how they've been for the past four years. And obviously prior to that, it's it's good to hear a little more about like the side of like what we could be going towards. Um, so well, anything you can share on that would be great. Well, so, you know, one, it was a great honor to be a part of um, just a Biden roundtable and we have more that are becoming about as well. Uh, and, you know, let me start off by saying I'm by far not trying to be into anything political <laughs> as my life is already full. But when you have someone that is willing to listen about a lot of the problems that um, are going on in this world, and really wanting to put it on the forefront as they go into their campaign or, you know, into their pursuit to create change in this in this country. Um, I, I saw that as a great opportunity. And um, when you so the conversation for us was how does gun violence align with disabilities when, right. people, you know, when people. 
the disabled community um, is large and so many people, um, rather you were born with a disability or you acquired over you know time, um, there are so many ways that you can acquire a disability. And one of the things that, you know, when you think about black people with disabilities, a lot of black men have been shot and, and that is how they become disabled. And so when you become shot and disabled, right? Like now you are out, the way I look at it is the disabled community, at least from, from my part, from my view, you don't really, you're not judged for how you got into this community, right? Like we, we, we focus on empowering you to be more knowing that you have limitations or circumstances that you have overcome. And so like, when you think about those that have, acquire, you know, their disability due to gun violence, where they get outcast, they get lack of resources, (laughs) you know, they're looked at different in rehab facilities, right? Like you come from a place where, you know, death and imprisonment is your fate and you survive. And the perspective of so many on where you come from shows that in the systems that are created when you, when you actually recover. And so the conversation that we had was really going around the whole Jacob Blake situation and how, you know, how you get shot and you are paralyzed or, you know, you have this disability, but instead the world is using and raising, you know, really pushing um, this narrative of, you know, you becoming paralyzed from gunshot wounds, however they work. But in reality, no one understands the debilitating part of the word paralyzed. So the whole basis of me being at the round table was talking about gun violence. How does it play a major part in a disabled community? How many people have acquired their disabilities due to gun violence, but they're still outcasted because of the way that they got their disability. Mm-hmm. And then going back into the basis of just speaking on how even though something happens, how do we make sure that we are bringing we are we are providing the resources and we are and we are making sure that people that no matter how you become disabled in america you still get treated the same way and when you think about like like i said when you think about jacob blake and you think about just his his situation or even when you think about elijah mccain mclean right like yeah um you know he had a disability and so Again, all of these play a part when you're thinking about someone that might not be cognitive enough to speak to you, where you might think that they're doing something different and you kill them or you shoot them, like all of that. So the conversation was, man, let's be real, right? Like there are so many people that have disabilities in America that, that you know, acquired them through gun violence that are not a part of that disabled conversation when we're talking about rights because their rights are different and how do we bridge a gap knowing that people black people with disabilities cannot just focus on their disability and think that their lives have changed we need to make sure that we are helping them bridge a bridge a gap from not only being disabled but being black and disabled knowing that the resources are not the same and so all around, you know, like I said, the first conversation was really just to provide that input. But more or less, you we've never had I've never witnessed um, 
someone trying to go in office that really cares so much about the disabled community yeah. or are willing to listen to more being more aware of what we're capable of now mm-hmm. so that those limits aren't over our head going into the next four years everything that we have to do systems have to be changed you think about the people with disabilities being debilitated well, that's because there are certain systems in there that says that you can't really do anything because you have a limitation. Mm-hmm. We need to change that. And in order for us to change that, we need to face the people that are really trying to create that change and let them know, look, I might be paralyzed. I might be disabled, right? <laughs> but not really. So that's the way that roundtable went and really yeah. just making sure, hey, I was a gun violent, you know, victim. Um, that acquired a disability. This is my journey that I went through, not having resources. This is my position of wanting to be that representation in this community that shows positivity after something's violent so that we can become better and we can heal ourselves so that now the world can heal itself. Everything going on in the country, in the world, what keeps you excited? Uh... I know that's a tough question. Selfishly, I want to know um, so I can, you know, channel no, a little bit of that energy. No, man, uh, it's not even tough. You know, truthfully, uh, the excitement I have is knowing that where I got in life wasn't um, from a handout. It wasn't someone that, you know, just said, look, man, this is where you're going to be. Uh, you know, in a few years, it was really a lot of manifesting, a lot of grinding, dedication still to today. And so, like, um, I get excited knowing that I I am uh, the creator of my own fate and that despite the way the world is going and the things that are happening, me growing up as a black man has always faced adversity and every day has always been a challenge for me growing up and just, yeah. And so I get to, I stay moving, I stay inspired, I stay pushing because I know that I'm living my purpose. And I think that that's what I'm motivated by the most. That's what keeps me up every day. That's what, you know, draws me to be more. It's just knowing where I come from and how far I've gone. Yeah, I get to create it. You know, we get the opportunities come to those that create it. So, like, if I if I want to be someone, I want to be somebody. I need to get up every day and have that mindset. And despite what the day before was brought me, it's over. And because yeah. you know, and because of that, I leave things behind and I keep moving forward. But I never take away the fact that I have a choice of being happy and I have a choice of being ambitious the same way I have a choice of being negative and lazy. Out of all the things that you've gotten to do, that you've gotten to create, uh, what would you be the most excited to go back and tell 12-year-old Wesley about? Man, truthfully, the only thing I would tell 12-year-old Wesley is, dude, you became the person you always look for. That's awesome. <laughs> I was kind of thinking you might bring up the fact that you get Tommy Hilfiger clothes. Yeah, look, 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 the opportunities are great, right? But no, <laughs> like the power of, you know, being a positive representation in a community that never had it. 
at least for me, um, man, that is an ultimate reward every day, every day. Like, I mean, and that's, that's doing Tommy. That's going, yeah. you know, that's, I mean, literally, man, I used to wear Tommy and now I'm sitting there, you know, <laughs> like that is mind blowing. But now I look at my opportunities and I just see them coming, right? Like I embrace yeah. them. I embrace them because the, the path wasn't to, to be on these, you know, brands and represent them. The path was to, to represent my community in a way that shows them that they can do it too. And so all the opportunities and things that I do get to have, and it's just more, it excites me because I see myself as a door opener rather Mm -hmm. for the disabled community or the black community. I see myself as showing them that maybe you never seen someone on this stage, but now I'm showing you that you can be. And I think, yeah, and that's it, man. Like literally like that is probably the, yeah, that's what I'm proud about It's being that representation like that was the only thing someone told me a long time ago when i was venting on social media and i was in my levels of defeat and all of this and it was like and i was like man i wish somebody you know nobody out here helps me nobody out here does this or nobody i remember that message and said one thing you have to be the change. maybe you have to be the chain you have to be the person you're looking for i remember that and after that I've always pushed myself to be that person. And so now with everything happening and the opportunities that came into my life, it's like, I get to be that. I'm proud for that. You know, no matter what platform it is, I'm showing everybody that has no hope that now they can have it. Wesley, man, I mean, thanks so much for coming on. Every time I get the opportunity to talk with you, I know my day is going to be a little better. Um, So I appreciate that in and of itself, whether it's being recorded or not. Um, But in closing, I just tell people where you'd like them to find you on the Internet and just anything else you want to share. Um, Yeah. Um, For anybody that wants to look into my mission with Disabled But Not Really, you can go to disabledbutnotreally.org or go to any social media network, and it's just how it sounds. It's not spelled different. Um, My platform is I Am West Hamilton. My website is IamWesleyHamilton.com. And, yeah, just go and follow my mission. Follow the things I'm doing. See if you like it. Share it. Love it. And provide feedback. Other than that, if I could leave one thing, it would just be, you know, to really tell your listeners and anyone else that in order for us to move forward and make this world a better place, we have to make ourselves a better person. And by doing that, we take away judgment and we allow ourselves to be empathetic and and loving and caring and compassionate. And despite you know, where we come from, how we grew up, those elements is the way that this world becomes better. We don't truly have to understand where someone, you know, has been in life. All we have to do is empathize that they can be better than their circumstances, the same way everybody else has been and the way we live. So truly just stop the judgment and bring on some encouragement because we can all be better and nobody's perfect. Wes Hamilton, thanks so much, man. Thank you. Have a great day. 
Thanks again to Wes for coming on and thanks to you for listening. Um, if you want to support all of Wes's causes we discussed, you can make a donation right at disabledbutnotreally.org. If you want to support this show, just hit subscribe on whatever platform you happen to be listening to this on and come back and check out another episode. See you then.